Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church this morning. We're grateful to have you with us here for week number two of our series that we launched last weekend entitled Kingdom Come. So Jesus, uh, in his very first recorded sermon, actually called the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays out his priorities for the kingdom of God. And those, uh, that message is actually recorded in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And tucked right in the middle of that, Jesus offers a prayer. And uh, in that prayer, he tells us what it is that we should be praying for. And Jesus said that we are to pray, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the very first thing he said is, Your kingdom come. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the movement of God that is built on the person of Jesus and is expanded through those committed to his values and his priorities here on the earth. One of the final things Jesus said to his disciples before he left was, Go, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and preach the gospel to all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, and I am with you always to the ends of the earth. And so this morning, we're privileged to continue this series on Kingdom Come, and we're privileged to think about that imperative that Jesus gave us, that final imperative before he ascended back to his Father, that we are to go to all the nations of the world preaching And for the last few years, I've been part of an organization doing global leadership training with an organization called Equip Leadership Canada. And we're honored this morning to have the founder and the executive director of Equip Leadership Canada here with us uh, to share with us this morning. This is a rare treat for us because we rarely have people come here to Grace Crossing Church that actually share. Um, It's also a rare treat because he doesn't speak a a whole lot on weekends because of his busy schedule, his international travel. He doesn't get to land in a lot of churches, so we're really privileged to have him here at Grace Crossing Church this morning. Before he comes, let me just say there are some really good things that come out of Canada. So, I I mean, don't you love the geography of Canada? I mean, let's, let's be honest. The Canadian Rockies are a lot better than our Rockies, okay? Let's just be honest. They are. If you've never been to Banff, Alberta, it's a trip of a lifetime. Take it. Spectacular. Niagara Falls on the Canadian side are better than our falls. I mean, it just there are some geographical things uh, that are just better. Listen, Canada has Canadian bacon. Just saying, okay? Okay. And then Tim Hortons. Who doesn't love Tim Hortons coffee, right? And that is a gift to the United States from Canada. So we're grateful. And the other great thing is Mark Middleton from Um, Equip Leadership Canada comes out of Canada. And I'm really, really thankful. This guy is a servant leader. He's a kingdom thinker. He values what God's doing globally around the world. He's got a pulse on it. And I want you this morning to receive him, not just because of his work and his ministry, but I want you to receive him as my friend today. Paul the Apostle, when he would write his letters, he'd often say, and when they come to you, I want you to receive them as though you're receiving me. And this morning, I want you to receive this friend of mine as though you're receiving me here at Grace Crossing Church. Would you stand with me? Would you put your hands together? And would you join me in welcoming Mark Middleton this morning as he comes from Equip Leadership Canada? Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Appreciate that. 
I can honestly say in all my travels, I have never had a standing O ever, so thank you. It is an honor to be here. My responsibility this morning is to try and explain what it is your pastor does when he leaves this congregation and travels with Equip Leadership Canada to other countries of the world, and I'm honored to be able to do that. I'm also very grateful. Um, the people who never get thanked in most churches, you probably do it here because of the atmosphere in this church, but the people who rarely get thanked are the tech people. They make this thing work, okay? Would you express your appreciation to the tech people today? Thank you. First service crowd is always the smartest crowd. You know I have to finish on time, don't you? <laughs> that's, that's why you're here. Let's pray and ask God to be with us. Father God, thank you that you have brought us here today, not by accident, but by your purpose. I pray that as a congregation, you will accept our worship, and where there is any distraction, allow us, Lord, through your Spirit's power to dispel that and to focus on you. Allow me to make sure that what I'm saying is your Holy Spirit's words. May you have all the praise and the honor and the glory. And if we come here this morning, maybe even dragged here reluctantly out of a sense of habit or duty, refresh us with the fact that we are in your presence. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I was born and raised in the country of Ethiopia, East Africa. I spent 17 years of my growing up life there. I loved it. I thought everybody grew up like me until I came home and discovered you went home for lunch because I went to a boarding school when I grew up. I grew to love the international family of God. And that is my passion today. And when we talk about God's kingdom coming, we stand in one of the most exciting eras of church history today. So we're going to do a review today of where we have come from in the kingdom, where we are now, and perhaps what the future holds for us. Try to act excited, okay? Let's go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1. Hebrews 11 puts it this way, it's like the infinite God is an artist and he framed our finite time. The infinite frames our finite. And he's painting this mosaic of earth's history and right on the edge where there is a blank canvas for the rest of it is you and me. We're right on that edge of history. And then suddenly, disobedience mars perfection. We begin to realize that we are looking at a group of people who went before us. Now, let's read the scripture together to give us context for what I just said, okay? Hebrews, 11, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2a. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So when you look at the beginning, you go back to Genesis 1, you go back to Hebrews 11, 
and you begin to realize that disobedience marred perfection. We move the slide there. One more. Keep going. All right, we're looking back. Now, go to the next one. In Genesis 4 to 11, humanity began to move away from God. And all of a sudden, we realize that the God who created us is becoming distant. John Stott, one of my heroes in theology, said it this way, All around was moral deterioration, darkness, dispersal, and disintegration. Yet out of this prevailing godlessness, God called one man and his family and promised to bless the world through them. That promise in Genesis chapter 12, given to an older couple who could not have children, resonates through history. And all down through the Old Testament, we watch how that redemption that was announced then, that God would bless the world through Abraham and Sarah, is confirmed to us. And you know from Sunday school the great stories of the Old Testament, don't you? There was Noah, there was Abraham, there was Isaac, there was Jacob, there was Moses, there was Gideon, there was Samson, there was Rahab. Rahab? Really? Moses, we understand. Here is a leader who led his people out of Egypt across the Red Sea. Got his PhD probably from the University of Cairo. We understand Moses as a leader, but Rahab? Really? Hall of Fame stuff? Don't you love our God? You can grow up in the courts of Pharaoh... You can have every privilege, you can have every gift given to you, or you can grow up on the street. And when God gets a hold of you, you are changed forever. You are redeemed. And by the way, just as an aside, I throw this in, it wasn't what Rahab did. We always say, well, Rahab hid the spies when they came to her house. That's why God blessed her. No, it isn't. That's called behavior Christianity. God does not reward us on behavior. What is the reason that Rahab gets into the Hall of Fame? Here's what she said to the spies. We have watched you come across the desert for 40 years. We have seen what God has done, all the miracles, and we know your God is the only God. That's what puts her in the Hall of Fame. By the way, Rahab was allowed to live with her family just outside the camp of Israel until one day a guy from Israel fell in love with her and married her, and she is the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother of Jesus. Not bad redemption, huh? And that goes all the way to the redemption arriving in Matthew 1.21. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. And he goes all the way to the cross of Jesus Christ for us. Oswald Chambers puts it this way, the cross is the point where God and sinful man merge with a crash, and the way to eternal life is opened, but the crash is on the heart of God. The greatest note of triumph that was ever sounded in the ears of a startled universe was that sounded on the cross of Christ. It is finished. Hallelujah. It is the last word in the redemption of humanity. Then Jesus looks at us and says, I have given you this redemption, now I have a job for you. Matthew 28, 
18 to 20, which was already expressed this morning. Go to the world and make disciples. Mark is more specific. Communicate to everybody, every person in every place. Some of you want to know how it's going to end before you start. You're that type of personality. Luke tells you exactly how it's going to end, a summary of the, what's going to happen in the nations. And finally, the absolutely terrifying but powerful commission of Jesus, you are being sent in the same way God the Father sent me. And it empties into Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Another aside. When I ask people, where does Acts 1.8 start, they usually give me the word Jerusalem. That is very North American. We're so fascinated about geography and vocation and location if you ask your brothers and sisters from around the world, where does Acts 1-8 start? They will tell you it starts with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. May I encourage you? If you're going to be a church that is encouraged and participating in the kingdom of the Father, and you don't have the Holy Spirit in what you're doing, you don't have the relationship of God through his Holy Spirit in you, no matter how good your kingdom looks here on earth, it doesn't matter anything. Nothing. Because only when the Spirit gives you the influence is it eternal and lasts forever. The rest, as they say, is history. All down through the ages, the early church, the patristic church. I threw this in to show you that I went to seminary, and I'm really impressive, okay? <laughs> early church, patristic church, medieval Roman Catholic, Protestant, immediate ancestors, my parents who went to Ethiopia in the modern mission movement, and then somebody declared, 1969, the postmodern era. I don't know who that was, but we're now postmodern. And what does that mean for us? You've just looked back at all this history, all the shoulders of the people you have stood on, all the people who have shared, received, shared, received, shared, received the gospel until you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's part of the kingdom. Let's go to the present now. Let's look around us. Since 1969, there have been three major influences as we look at let us run our race in this generation. Three major influences. Let's show the first one. A comprehensive change from an industrial to a technological society. You go, duh. No, no, no. This has significance. Global power is now in the hands of a computer instinctive generation. Every generation has fought the previous generation, am I right? In my day, we grew our hair to our navel and sang Gary Puckett in the Union Gap, and if you know what that is, you shouldn't. We fought our parents. But when the Internet was invented, the generation gap grew much wider. And the older people, like me, who grew up in the industrial generation, look at the young people and go, you're not as committed as we are. Which means, we don't understand how you do things anymore, so you must be wrong because you're not doing it like us. The young people look at us across this fault line and go, well, you're not attractive. <laughs> Which literally means, you're not attractive. <laughs> Why would young people want to use our methods? Do you see where behavior Christianity gets into real problems here? 
Do it our way. Why? The world is in the hands of the young people. Can I encourage you this morning, those of us who grew up in the industrial generation, the young people are not the enemy. They're the future. God has given these people technological ability that I don't have. And am I right? If something goes wrong technologically, do you go to somebody older or younger to help you? My granddaughter at five knows more about my iPhone than I do. They're the future. We can surround them with theology, values, and principles, but stop giving them methodology. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Second, global migration. Everyone is everywhere. Best definition of global migration. It's a bit outdated, but I love this. An English princess with an Egyptian boyfriend crashes in a French tunnel driving a German car with a Dutch engine driven by a Belgian drunk on Scottish whiskey, followed by Italian paparazzi on Japanese motorcycles treated by an American doctor using Brazilian medicine. <gasps> that is exactly what happened when Lady Di went into that tunnel. Ray Bakke, the missiologist, says it best. It used to be that the cities were in the nations of the world. Now the nations are in the cities of the world. When my parents went to Ethiopia in 1948, it was deep, dark, and mysterious. And we were able to come back and tell snake stories and spider stories and, and wow you because nobody had been there. Do you know that in Toronto, the city that I come from, there are over 100,000 Ethiopians now? mostly in the hotel and parking lot industry and rent-a-car industry. And I'll go downtown Toronto when I'm brave, and I'll pull into a parking lot, and I'll see them, and I'll go, Tanaslin and Demonachu, and they go, oh, you speak our language. Sometimes I get my parking for free. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to go to Addis Ababa to find Ethiopians. They are coming here in droves. Everybody is everywhere. So the third thing is by far the most important now as we look around us. Renewed focus on the unreached people groups with a 1040 window of priority. This is the area where most people have never heard the gospel. And if we're going to bring God's kingdom, our job is to get the gospel to every person in every nation so that they have a chance to make an informed decision about Jesus Christ. And the challenge is no longer sending Western missionaries over or supporting national missionaries. That's so 1980s, big hair, refried guitars, okay? The challenge now is, can we work together as the global family of God to finish the task? Let me explain. When my parents went to Ethiopia, the Ethiopian church was a baby church, there were very few Ethiopian Christians. If you go to Ethiopia today like I did last month, in the second week of March, do you know that today in Ethiopia, out of a population of about 70 million, there are over 9 million Christians, your brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. I appreciate the applause because I'm a, I came from a Baptist background. We're not allowed to get excited about anything, okay? You guys can be excited for me. Good stuff, all right? It would be ludicrous for me to say we need white people to go to Ethiopia unless we are invited for something specific. Do you hear me? Because the Ethiopians have the capability of reaching their own people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've got PhDs in theology. They are phenomenal evangelists. I watched them. 
And when I go over there, I am stunned by how the kingdom of God just keeps growing. So let's look forward for a little bit. Eyes on Jesus. None of us know what the future holds, but we do get some principles from Scripture which help us. Here is the key principle. As you run your race, stop listening to earthly wisdom and develop the relationship with God and the Holy Spirit in you and keep your eyes focused on Jesus and amazing things happen. That is exactly what Gil is doing when we invite him to come and speak to leaders. We believe, by the way, go to the next one, we believe very much in encouraging leadership as Jesus intends, which includes two things, redefining authentic Christian leadership, what it means, and secondly, implementing seminars through a network of global partners around the world, in Canada too. Canada needs it. By the way, in Canada, do you know that we now have only 9% of our total population that is evangelical Christian? We're a heathen nation. What has happened? In, it is my belief that we have got the definition of Christian leadership wrong first, and secondly, we don't understand the basics of Christianity, which allow us to do proper seminars. Let's go to the next one. More often than not, Christianity has been sold as a behavior improvement program, not the understanding that we have a relationship with the God of the universe an identity as his sons and daughters, and his influence flowing through us. When I came to Jesus Christ, I was given a set of rules. If I obeyed those rules, people said, wow, you're, a, you're growing as a Christian, therefore we're going to call you a Christian, we'll say you are a son of God, and therefore God loves you. But if your behavior is wrong, then we're not going to say you're a good Christian, then you aren't growing as a Christian, therefore we can't call you a Christian, and therefore God doesn't love you. If you've bought into that, that is a lie of Satan. It's completely reversed. God loves you. You can't do anything to make him love you more or love you less. When you come to Christ, you become a son and daughter of God. Hallelujah. He gives you his Holy Spirit. Now for the rest of your life, you have to grow and grow and grow in the maturity of the Holy Spirit as you develop that relationship. And guess what? Your behavior is a result of that. That's how it works. And I know that's taught here. Because when Gil came to us, he had a story of grace, not legalism. And he had a story that makes him effective as he goes to other countries. Next point. We believe leadership is influence. Do you know that in the biblical definition of leadership, you do not have to be a CEO or a big ministry leader or a preacher or on the worship team to serve God? In fact, it's completely the other way around. Pastors are not here so that you can pay the bills so they do the work of God. We're here to encourage you to go do the work of God because you meet all the people who are not in God's kingdom yet all through the week. Well, I'm not a leader. I don't have any skills. I don't have any abilities. I'm sorry. You have the Holy Spirit of the God of the universe in you. 
and you can influence. That's why we can honestly redefine Christian leadership by saying everybody in this room who names the name of Jesus Christ is a leader. When people get that concept, the world lights up. That's what he teaches. Let's go to the next one. He gets to go to places. Pictures always make me look heavy. I just want you to know that right off, okay? Just right away, right away. That's it. I don't look like that, okay? Gil has gone with us to Moldova, to Turkey, to Albania. Each of the settings are different. You would love Albania. Albania was under communism for 60 years. In 1991, they got out of it. Missionaries roared in. The church is now about 27 years old. The elders, you go to the church, the elders are 30 years old in the church. You got to love it, okay? And they're always going, we don't know how to do this. We've never done this before. It's a book of Acts, and they're about chapter 14 now. That's what he gets to go to. And he gets these people around him in groups of 12, and he expresses his faith, his definition of leadership, his basics of Christianity, and he does it well. He does it well. The other thing he's good at, and not everybody has this gift, and you know this, especially those of you who are international, as a white person, he can cross cultures well. That is a very difficult gift, and the Spirit of God gives it to only certain people. So we are very careful who we invite. Now let me close with a story here. Go to the next one. I grew up in Ethiopia, as I told you. My last two years, I lived in a place called Eritrea, which is that, what was then a province, but is now its own independent country, fiercely opposed to Christianity. Many of my friends who I grew up with in Eritrea have been executed for their faith in Jesus Christ. In that long stretch, see that long yellow stretch that goes back Donakil down to Asab down there, that red dot? There was a fierce group living there called the Afar people. Now, my parents, way back in the late 60s, and several groups of missionaries were attempting to get the gospel into this Afar tribe. They were nomadic. They roared around on camels. They didn't know the rest of the world existed. They were fiercely Islamic, and there were no known Christians in the whole tribe of three million. Not one. And I can remember as a 17-year-old being dragged to prayer meetings by the missionaries, all-night prayer meetings, while they prayed for the Afar tribe. I confess I didn't. I just sat there and went, I wish I was someplace else. Now, fast forward. By the way, all of those missionaries went home. Only two are alive, my father and one of the missionaries who lives in Florida. Only two of them are still alive. They never once heard about anybody coming to Jesus Christ as an Afar. Now, fast forward to January 2016. I'm going to, can I say my church, People's Church here? Is that all right? Good. I go to People's Church. It's an independent church in in Toronto, about 3,000 people, and they love missions. They give $2 million a year to missions out of their budget, okay? So they love getting the gospel out to the rest of the world. That's why the church was founded. There are over 82 nationalities in my church. The white people are very much in the minority there, and we love it. Because that's the way heaven is going to be. So I'm up there kind of reading the bulletin, and my wife, who likes me to pay attention, elbows me and goes, Mark, they're interviewing an Ethiopian today. Oh, cool. So I sit up. 
And I go, this is neat. And the guy gets up, and he's good-looking, and he's funny, and he's articulate, and he tells a story of how he came from a Muslim background into Jesus Christ. And everybody went... And our pastor said, no, what is the real significance of your story? And he said, very few people in this room will understand what I am going to say. But I was one of the very first Christians from the Afar tribe. You can show his picture. His name is Aragurat. Okay? I about fell out of the balcony. I roared down after the service. I greeted him in Amharic. We hugged. He said, how do you know my language? I said, I grew up there. I said, by the way, my parents prayed for you. I didn't, but they did. He said, that's great. Then he said, you know, Mark, there are over 200 of us now. I said, what do you need the most? What's your biggest need? Now, these people, like I said, they're nomadic. They live in the desert, 110 degrees. They live on their camels. Their camels are everything to them. And I'm thinking, you know, we need some kind of humanitarian work in there. You know what he said? He grabbed my shoulders. And he looked me in the eye and he said, we need leadership training. Do you know anybody who does that? I went, yeah, I do. So, next picture. Just last month, I'm in Ethiopia training 12 of the Afar Christian leaders. Show the next one. This is what's important to me, including all these women. Islamic women who have now found Jesus Christ. You gotta love it. I said, Why were these women selected? Gurat grinned and he said, They're the only ones from my only women from my tribe who can read and write. They were brilliant. You should have seen their passion for God. They knew nothing about Calvinism versus dispensationalism versus the prophetic words or anything. They just knew Jesus and wanted to get going. Do you see the importance of teaching the basics of the Christian faith and then telling them that they have the Holy Spirit in them and they can influence their tribe? They're leaders. They've never been told that in the Islamic faith. Ever. Next one. I love coming up with a summary. We stand on great shoulders. We look at the world around us and we ask the Spirit to help us in this industrial, technological debate that's in our generation. And we look forward saying, I don't know really what's going to happen really. But I do know that if I do something in the power of the Holy Spirit, like praying for the Afar people, one day God takes our influence and magnifies it. How do I know that? Did God keep his promise to Abraham and Sarah? Will he keep his promise to you? Yeah. And even if you don't see the results, will he keep his promise? Yeah. 
That's the future. So I love what the great missionary Hudson Taylor said. Used to ask God to help me. By the way, that's North American Christianity. God help me succeed, okay? Everybody around me help me succeed. Then I thought, well, I can't quite be right, so I used to ask God if I could help him. He doesn't need our help. (laughs) But for some amazing reason, in his grace, he's chosen to work through us to influence the world. So I ended up by saying, asking him to do his work through me. You live in the most exciting generation in world Christian history. This church has been taught grace, not behavior. You have the ability to influence this community, your country, your region, and internationally, and you already are doing it around the world. And I'll tell you why. When he goes and he shares, or others of you may go in the future, and they share with Christian leaders, all of you in this room, your fingerprints go with him. Because God is working through you as a church. Let's pray. Thanks, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for what you teach us from your word, from past history, from what is around us. Help us never to be overwhelmed by the challenge. And help us to look forward with confidence, our eyes upon you. Knowing that you will keep your promise to us and produce the results if we stay faithful and we allow your Holy Spirit to influence through us. Keep us faithful. Keep this church faithful until you come back home to get us or we go home to be with you. Whichever comes first, in Jesus' name, amen. So the Lord this morning may be stirring your heart in a number of different ways, and let me just speak to those ways that you may be stirred this morning. You might be sitting here this morning, and God may be stirring your heart in the realm of just more obedience to following him, to letting him be a, uh, just a, you being a conduit of his presence through mm-hmm. you to be a, a person of influence. And my wife actually reminded me that it was about the age of, of, of these kids, right, Carly and, and, and Allie. And Evan, sitting up here this morning, that God began to stir her heart, that there was something significant happening about missions. And I just want to say that it doesn't matter what age we are, Mm -hmm. God can begin to stir your heart at any point to say, Lord, I know that you said that you want to, you want to reach the world through me, my own, you know, my own circle of influence you want to touch through me. And I would just suggest this morning, if, if you're sensing that movement of God's spirit in your heart, just simply pray and let him speak to you. Let him use you. Make yourself available. Open your hands and just say, God, I want to be a vessel that you can work through and your spirit can work through. The second way God may be stirring your heart this morning is thinking about what Mark is doing with Equip Leadership Canada. And we as a church do support Equip Leadership Canada on a monthly basis. That comes through your missions giving here at Grace Crossing Church. So Mark is one of a number of missionaries and missionary organizations that receive support because of your generosity to give to missions. And this morning, I want to encourage you that if God stirred your heart by what you heard today, um, you can invest in the ministry of Mm -hmm. Equip Leadership Canada by giving to missions here at Grace Crossing Church and even earmarking, if you would like, a specific gift to go 
to equip Leadership Canada. You can do that in a variety of ways that we offer through our giving box, through our online portal. Uh, you can go to our, our donate page there. Uh, there's just a number of different ways, text to give. There's different ways that you can do that. And if you want more information about how to do that, just go to our website, click on the donate page, and it'll give you the variety of ways that you can uh, make a contribution to missions. The final thing that I pray that God stirred your heart for this morning is to pray. Mm -hmm. Because Mark doesn't do what he does, and um, quite frankly, none of our leadership here at Grace Crossing Church does what we do in ministry without your prayers. We are absolutely dependent on the prayers of God's people. And I know that Mark, um, just because of the demand of travel, because of the competing demands of opportunities that come his way, um, there are going to be challenges along the way of having to discern God's will about where does the Lord want Equip Leadership Canada to be putting its energy, to be focused. Um, and I want you to pray with me this morning for Equip Leadership Canada and specifically for Mark Middleton, that God would bless him, that God would favor him, that God would continue to meet all of his needs and all of his family's needs and all of the ministry needs uh, in, in the days ahead. There are exciting things happening, as you heard this morning, uh, and it's just an honor to be able to support a ministry that God is really using to raise up a generation of leaders mm -hmm. down the road, um, really influencing one by one, not going in and doing large conferences, big conventions where you give them your best for two days and they leave and they go back to their place of ministry, but rather really sowing in at the heart level what authentic leadership is. And we do that. We want to talk about that yeah, because here at Grace Crossing Church, we want to lead from the heart level. We, we, we think that is significant. And that's what Equip Leadership Canada is all about, leading, influencing from the heart level. And so this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. And we're going to, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray specifically for, um, for Mark Thank you. and for Equip Leadership Canada. And we're going to pray that God's favor and God's blessing will continue to rest upon this ministry. Uh, in, in the coming days. If you're comfortable, would you just stretch your hand forward in this direction? And just by stretching your hand as though you're up here with me this morning, just praying for Mark. Father, I want to thank you for my friend today. And I want to thank you for all the good things that you're doing through Equip Leadership Canada. I want to thank you for the call on Mark's life, for the way that you've directed his steps through these years of ministry. And God, you led him to um, start this organization to really be uh, and influence in leadership development and leadership training to the nations of the world, especially those nations that are unreached, mm -hmm. where there are there is persecution, where there is hardship, um, where there's scarcity in resourcing and in supporting those who are trying to do the work of your kingdom. And Equip Leadership Canada is all about being a vessel that you can use. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the conduit, Lord, that you have found in, in my brother today. I thank you for the way that you have ordered their steps, the way that you have led them. And I thank you that you will continue to supply and meet their needs, that you'll continue, Lord, to give them good health, that you'll continue, God, to give them wisdom and discernment as to where you want them to put their energy into the years that are ahead. Lord, thank you so much for all that you're doing through Mark, through his team, and through this ministry. And we just bless here at Grace Crossing Church, Mark, Thank today. We pray, God, that your continued favor would rest upon him and that you'll give him your continued grace, Lord, in the days ahead. We just thank you, and we do pray specifically for the Sapphire Tribe, Lord, mm -hmm. and all that you're doing there. Thank you for this incredible movement of God 
among that particular group and of people that have been unreached through the years. But thank you for how they are coming to faith in Christ and there's leaders being now invested in and raised up. And we're so thankful, God, for all that you're doing. Thank you that you're the hope of the world, Lord. And your hope is expressed and extended through people like us as individuals, through us collectively as a church body, and through organizations like Equip Leadership Canada. So thank thank you. you for the partnership that we can have with this ministry. And we just pray for your continued favor, your continued blessing, Lord, in the days ahead. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Would you uh, join me one more time in expressing appreciation to Mark? Thank you. Thank you. And um, Mark, if you'll you'll head, Mark, to the back, I'm going to join you back there just if people want to greet you here on the way out. Before you leave this morning, let me just mention that we have coming up on the 29th of April, our next Discover GCC. So this is our newcomer's luncheon. If you're newer to Grace Crossing Church or um, you've come here and you've been attending for maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe it's your first week here. We want to just welcome you to come to Discover GCC on the 29th of April. It's a, it's a brief luncheon. You'll get to learn more about Grace Crossing Church, more about what's in our hearts, what kind of drives the engine here at Grace Crossing Church, our vision, mission, values. You'll also get to meet our staff, and it'll give us a chance to really get acquainted with you. So we'd love to have you join us for our uh, Discover GCC lunch. And you can register for that this morning on the connection card, letting us know that you're interested in coming. You can also go to our website. Uh, gracecrossingchurch.net, and you can register right there. There's a registration link. Hit it, drop down, and you'll see Discover GCC uh, that you can go ahead and register for. So thanks so much for being here this morning. God bless you. Have a great day. Stay dry. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.